Well, again, I greet you uh, this Sunday. Oh, man, what a year it has been. Amen. Uh, as we come to the last Sunday <clears throat> of this year, uh, we can look back and see all that God has done. Uh, we have gone through highs and we have experienced lows. We have seen uh, new life come and we have seen friends and family members go to be with the Lord. And this, this uh, service here is special for me because over the past three years, uh, I've been able to be a part of it uh, with the Ron Skates and uh, as Bob came in. Uh, this, this service just means a ton to me. And so when Bob had asked me if I wanted to preach this Sunday, uh, I said yes. I wanted, I uh, desired to be a part again of this service. Um, so it means a ton to me. As we come into service today, we have just experienced Christmas, praise God. And I'm pretty sure everybody's got some really amazing gifts during this season. Uh, I know I did. My brother got me a pair of shoes. Shout out to my boy, Eric. I love you. <laughs> and uh, it was just, it's just an awesome time to be with family and friends. Uh, and in this season, you see uh, a ton of like traditions and uh, things that families do. Uh, my family in particular, uh, we cook fajitas and sometimes we have tamales and it's so good. And we wrestle with, between whether we want hot chocolate uh, or we want arroz con leche. Uh, and so it's just always a treat. Uh, but a big thing about uh, Christmas a lot of time is kind of what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about promises fulfilled. And uh, throughout my life, uh, we see that. And so before uh, I go into that, I desire for us to go into the word uh, as it will lead us to where we need to go. Amen. So today we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 33, and if you want to follow with me, uh, we're going to read from there. Let us turn to the word. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she said, uh, but she was greatly troubled and at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be a great, he will be great and, and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this wondrous, beautiful day, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity for allowing us to gather together as a church family, Lord, as we have come from different places, Lord, wanting to worship you this day. Father, we pray that we open our hearts and our minds to the truth of who you are as we devote this time to you and we pray that we would not walk out the same people as we walked in. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so, so we see a promise 
that has been given. That's probably that's been the, the theme, uh, the story behind the story this past month. And uh, what we see is a promise that was given, and what we're seeing here in Luke is Gabriel is trying to let her know that this promise is going to be fulfilled. And so growing up for me during this Advent and Christmas season, uh, we were always told as kids, right, like, you got to be good. Because if you're good, you're on Santa's nice list. But if you're bad, watch out. Not only will you get the chancla, but you will be on the naughty list. And so I did what most kids do, right? I'm just, I'm bad for, for nine months, moving my clip, getting spankings, and like just getting, getting in all sorts of trouble so that the last couple months of the year, I'm being real good. And I, we don't have to look back at the nine months. Let's just look at the, what's happening now, mom. Let's look back, let's look at what's happening now. I'm good. Didn't even move my clip, maybe once, but I just, I didn't, that wasn't even my fault, all right? So we see this sense of like, at the end of the year, I'm just, I'm just being good. And it's a good thing, uh, or well, I don't, I don't necessarily think that, but at the time we weren't reformed, so my mom couldn't like lean over and be like, son, there's not one good person, no, not one. You know, it's just like, okay, all right, mom, you know, I'm six years old, calm down. But, uh, but uh, what we see is just we expect as kids, because ch- as a child, you're thinking about what I can get from this. What can I get from being good? And I'm expecting something in return, because you made a promise, if I'm good, therefore, I'm going to receive a gift. And if I do that, then your promises will be fulfilled. I, I was good. I didn't, I didn't act up. Therefore, Santa must be getting me exactly what I wanted, which one Christmas I wanted a Nintendo 64. And you better believe I got one, praise God. And so <laughs> what we see is uh, we, we see two different mindsets, right? As a child, again, like I said, I'm worried about what I will get, right? I'm immature. I'm thinking about Christmas is just all about me. And I'm going to get what I need to get. And as a parent, as someone that's mature, you're seeing, and what am I going to give? What am I going to give? And what, I, what you see is a promise fulfilled. My, my son was doing well, therefore I told him, and I'm going to get it for him. This past weekend, I also experienced this again, which is something a little bit more, uh, again, biblical. It's even more so because we see it throughout Scripture. But this past weekend, yesterday, I celebrated a wedding of my best friend, uh, Justin and Campbell Bowers. I uh, got married yesterday in Houston, so before that I had to drive out here. Uh, but we see this beautiful picture of, I remember when he got engaged, he gave a ring, right? And he made a promise. He said, I choose, I'm choosing you, and I'm giving you this ring, and I'm telling you this ring symbolizes that there will come a day, amen? There will come a day where you and I, I want you, praise God, I'm going to honor you, and we're going to walk with the Lord, and there's going to be a day I'm going to walk you down the aisle, and in front of family and friends, two will become one, where I'm going to be with you, and you with me, and we're going to honor the Lord and walk in this life. And we saw that promise fulfilled yesterday, as they walked down the aisle and made their vows before God and all these witnesses. And so we see these pictures of a promise being said and a promise being fulfilled. And, and Luke here is writing into a Greek context, right? Because again, people are wanting to know and understand why this promise needed to be fulfilled. Why is this significant to them? And so we see uh, as we walk through this that he is trying to paint a picture, trying to show his audience 
that this promise is for you. This promise is for not just, not just the people of Israel, but it's for you, O Gentile. You that once thought that you were not a part of it, it is for you. And this promise that has been fulfilled has been from far, far before this time. And so I'm going to go through three different points today. We're going to talk about the fulfillment of promise, the fulfillment of grace, and the fulfillment of sovereignty. And so when we talk about, when we first start off on talking about fulfillment of promise, we see two people in this picture. We see Mary, of course, the mother of Jesus, and we also see Joseph, whom she was betrothed to. And what we see is, again, this beautiful picture, because right before this, from again to the end of the Old Testament, going into the New Testament, we see 400 years of silence. Now, I don't know about y'all, but if I'm in love with somebody and I call somebody friend, 400 years to not talk to them or not to hear from them is a long time. And my heart is hurting. And what's interesting is in this time and in this point, Nothing could have saved them. You see, when you see the Old Testament, you see how God had worked and tried to work through mankind over and over and over again to the point where prophets had to come and say, I will send somebody. Because each time I tell you, don't forget my precepts, do not forget my covenants, somehow, some way, you have forgotten. So you know what? I'm going to send you someone. And what we see when we take the, the two of them, Mary and Joseph, we see in Mary that a prophecy was fulfilled in Isaiah 7, verses 14 through 16. He says, behold, a virgin shall conceive. Goes on to talk and say that he will be named Emmanuel, God with us. You see, Israel at the time of point in that prophecy was in turmoil. They were hurting and they were in need of restoration. They were in need of redemption. And during that time, you start to see, Lord, how can this be? Because I'm hurting and now you're giving me this prophecy. And then we're fast forwarding and now we see what Mary is going through. We see a genealogy given to Mary in Luke that drives all the way down to Abraham. So not only was, was a prophecy given in Isaiah, but this prophecy and through her bloodline of her family, it traces all the way back to Adam, showing and demonstrating that God has never forgotten about what he said. God desires, again, from the garden to be in perfect relationship with his people. And when we are in this time in Luke, we see that the people are hurting. I said this uh, as we were talking amongst some college students, that it's one thing to be, to be lost, right? Or the way that I used it, which I've, I've used an example like this before. Um, we all know middle schoolers, right? Middle schoolers, right? And sometimes, well, not all middle schoolers, the ones that are here, y'all, y'all clearly, y'all shower. But... Uh, what we know about middle school is that sometimes the, the aroma is kind of pungent, right? You're just like, oof, praise God, man. Oof. Don't lift your hands at church this time. Just don't do that. Just don't do it. Uh, but it's one thing to know, right, that there's an aroma. and You're just like, man, I got to go get me some Dove underarm deodorant. It's another thing entirely to be completely deaf, right? You can't even smell it. Like, it's, you, you just, you're just oblivious to... Uh, praise the Lord, the aroma that, the Lord, that your body gives off. Praise God. Uh, and so it's, it's one thing to actually know it, and it's another thing to not even acknowledge it. And what we see in this time 
in Luke is that we have Pharisees and all these things, Romans in power, and they're thinking that they're sitting pretty, and they're, they're expecting a warlord to show up that couldn't have been further. They couldn't have been, they couldn't have been more off of what kind of savior would have to come to them. And just as you see in these 400 years that they were in absolute need of a savior. And when we trace this back all the way to Abraham, and all the way back to Adam, we see this jealousy that we were deceived in the garden. And it is through Adam that God desired to bless the world, right? I have made you in my image. And it is very, very good. And a promise was given during, in that garden, which we're going to come to. A promise that God will finish what he started because we were deceived on that day. And God desires to redeem. God desires to restore. And so we see this entire narrative. And it all the way points all the way back to Mary. Then you see Joseph. In 2 Samuel, you see that Joseph is of the line of David. And we see this in 2 Samuel chapter 7, uh, verses 11 through 16, that uh, there's this again over David and his covenant. I will raise your offspring and his kingdom will have no end. What did we just read from Luke here? Verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom there will be no end. We see this genealogy from, jo- from Joseph all the way down to David, signifying not only and through Mary that, he's, that God has not forgotten how he created you and the relationship that he had, but you also see it through Joseph that he has not forgotten his covenant promises to you. God has always been intentional, and God will never start something that he's not going to finish. And he brought it to completion on this, at this moment. God decided to highlight the covenant And that he will finish what he started because why? Because our God is a promise keeper. He fulfills what he promises. And you see that through Mary and Joseph. Another thing that we see is a fulfillment of grace in this text. We see here how Mary is called by Gabriel. Follow with me again, verse 27, uh, verse 26. Again, the six-month angel Gabriel was sent from God from the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. And then he says it again, verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of theology is around this, and this has been discussed for a very, very long time. But what we see is this, is that, again, God has found favor in Mary. And that is given by grace. Because for us that we know as we are born, uh, born into this world that sin is in this world and we wrestle with it. But what we know is this, that we desire to walk with God and we see that Mary is favored. So it is considered, we, we see it throughout the Old Testament where we see like, what would cause this person to be favored? Well, we see it in other two spots. We see it in Noah, in Genesis chapter 6, that Noah found favor in the Lord. And what a situation is this, that during the time of Noah, corruption had filled the earth, and that there was not one good person. People thought good was bad, and bad was good. And God chose Noah, of all people. The corruption had spread, and it was Noah 
And it says that Noah walked with God and it was considered righteous. Righteous. And we see this beautiful picture, correct? Where judgment was given because our God is a God of justice. And no, the sin had to, the, the price for the sin had to be paid. And we see this beautiful picture where God in his sovereignty, rather than just wiping out all these things, he said, no, I will save a remnant of you. I will choose Noah and I will save a remnant. And we see this beautiful picture as we had in, in, in our young adult Bible study. We see how, how the Lord had built up all things starting from the water all the way down to man and then from man all the way back to water with the destruction. What we see is this, is that an olive branch came back and said, you can come out now. And we see God redeemed all people through Noah. And what was special about him? That he walked with God. And it was by grace that we were saved in that moment. Another thing that we see is that we see it in Abraham. The sense that it was considered righteous, that, God, that, that Abraham believed what God said. We see it in Genesis chapter 12, that God will raise his own people. He will raise somebody up. Because in the text before that, we see the Tower of Babel where man tried to raise themselves, and God stopped it. Because God will raise who he wants to raise. And it won't be by your authority, it'll be by his authority. And what did he choose? He chose somebody that was worshiping idols and said, I'm going to use you and I'm going to, I'm going to move you to a land and I'm going to make your name great and your, your descendants will be as much as the stars and through you I will bless the world, all people, not people that live on the west side, on the east side, that look this way, that talk this way, that walk this way, no, all people and that is by grace because we did nothing to deserve it. So we see this fulfillment of grace in Mary and in Joseph, that they walked faithfully with God. And that's the beauty of it, that it's not, I'm not defined by what I can do, but what God has already done. I'm not defined by why the world says that I am. I'm defined by what Jesus says that I am, by what God says I am. And it's not what my ability that I can do now. It's about what God can use through me and in me. Your lives are testimonies. And this past year, you've probably experienced things that you do not quite understand. But hear me, church, that God is working in and through your life. And my prayer is this, that you would turn to him because he is a promise keeper. Amen. When we see it from the garden that he said, I will not, I'm not going, when you see it in, in scripture that I'm not going to leave you, that I love you, that you can, I want you to live with me. I, church, I trust me when I tell you that the the enemy is still doing what he did in the beginning. Did God really say he would be with you? Did God really say he would redeem you? Did God really say that he would restore you? Did God really say that you can right where you're at that he desires to love you? And where this world says you're not clean enough, you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you don't have the right credit, you're not wearing the right things, you don't talk the right way. Lies. Lies from the enemy. And I want to encourage you that our God is a God of fulfillment and he keeps his promises and this grace that's given to us is a gift, friends. It is a gift. And the reason why God can give this grace is for the third point. Fulfillment of sovereignty. 
God demonstrated in this text through a virgin, through Joseph from the line of David, and fulfilling his promises that he is sovereign. I've never left you. I've never left you. If you thought that you were out of the race, there's no way. I've never left you. And we see as, as his name is Emmanuel. Jesus' name is Emmanuel. God with us. And we see it in chapter 9 of Isaiah. And Because again, it's a beautiful Christmas passage that we usually read. Verse, verse, uh, Isaiah 9, verse 6. For, un, for to us a child is born, us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his governments and of, of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from, the time, from this time forth forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Church, when you hear and once we remember what the Lord says in his word, man, it feels some type of good to know that there was a Savior that came for me. And that's the picture that we see here, that he came to save us. When there was nothing else we could do, Jesus came to save us. God responded to our need so that nobody else can say, I had a part of it, that I was a part of that. No, by none of us have anything to say that we had anything to do with our salvation. It was by God and God alone. So much so that we see these wondrous things, correct? That God used Noah from the very beginning to save a, uh, to save, to save a remnant from the destruction of what was happening on the world. To use Abraham, somebody that was wandering, right? And just not even using it. For David, that was, uh, he was a shepherd boy. And that when they asked for a king, his dad didn't even bring him into the room. And God does this time and time and time again that it is by his works, by his, by his righteousness, by his, his ways that God will do what he said he was going to do. And church, he is not done yet. Amen? There is still a promise yet to be kept. There, there, and it's going to be kept. But there's still a promise yet to be fulfilled. Forgive me. A promise yet to be fulfilled. And what is that promise? That our Savior is coming back. Church, my prayer is this, is that as we see these fulfillments, a fulfillment of promise, that I'm with you, that I've been a part of this, that I, I'm here, that I've sent you a king, that I've, I've sent you a child to come and save you, and it's through his life, death, and resurrection, that all are now blessed, so that the fulfillment of grace is now over you, that there was nothing I could have done there was nothing that, that, any, that, that, that by my own ability that I could have saved myself, but it was only by his grace and by his love. And the reason why I'm able to sit comfortably as a child, as a son and a daughter of the king, is because I know my God is sovereign and he is mighty to save us from our deepest, darkest times. 
And my prayer is this, as we enter into this new year, that we can celebrate knowing that the promised child has come. And in a few months, we're going to celebrate again because he did again what he said he was going to do. He took on the punishment. He lived the life we couldn't live, died the death we deserved to die so that we can be considered righteous. And what did he do? He defeated death and the grave. Isn't our God amazing that he fulfills his promises. So as there's one more promise yet, the hope is this, friends, is that you would be able to go out. Much like we go back to the Christmas story. My mother was worried about what to give. I was only worried about what I was going to get. My prayer is this, is that our spirituality would mature as well. That as we enter into this sanctuary, as we keep coming to church, as we are uh, about our, our groups that we're in through Bible studies and community groups and fellowships that we have, that we would continue to have a posture of asking, how can I give? How can I be more loving? How can I be more merciful? How can I be more forgiving? How can I be more patient? How can I serve you? How can I give more of my time knowing that God has given us so much and that there are people outside these doors that do not know this promise, that don't know that there was a promise for them as well, that God desires to love them and to save them from their sin. Church, let us go forth in courage and trust that again that our God will fulfill and keep his promises. And as we go forth, we're able to go as a family and pray that we can continue to add to our family in this church. My prayer is that because we trust and know that our God is a God that fulfills his promises. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this wonderful, beautiful day, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity for allowing us again to be here. Lord, we pray, Lord, that as we leave here, that we're reminded of this. Lord, that you responded to us in our time of need. That we were in need of a Savior. And in the most beautiful fashion, you fulfilled every prophecy, every promise, every covenant that was given years and years before and that you responded by sending your son. Lord, we feel the weight of that as a church. And we pray that it would compel us to have eyes to see those that are broken. Ears to hear those that are hurting. Feet to draw near to those that are in need. Hands willing to serve those that are in this world and a heart to have compassion and a desire to share this good news so that we may have lips to tell of your truth. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we end this year rejoicing and worshiping your name above all names. In the powerful and mighty name of Jesus, we pray, amen.